All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Marie Alessi, author of, uh, she's an author, mother of two boys, uh, influencer speaker. After her husband passed from a brain aneurysm at an age of 45, she found and created her way back to joy. She instinctively knew it was the only path worthy for them young boys to, to see her see joy move forward. Her husband had taught her the concept of two choices, and this one was made in his honor to make him proud. Maria has become the shining example of choosing love over fear and sadness. Welcome to the show, Marie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's uh, great that we're able to connect uh, from across the world in the Yay. two different seasons right now. So it's a you're uh, in, in a joyous season. <laughs> Coming from summer season. in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the, the, the gloom of winter here in the States. <laughs> So maybe bring some sunshine to your life right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bring it. It'll be a much, a, much enjoyment here for sunshine. So yeah. if you don't mind, Maria, just tell us a little bit, bit about your background from as far back as you want to go to where we are now. Okay. Well, I'll try to do the nutshell version. Then you can ask me whatever you like uh, okay. in more detail. So my nutshell story is I was born in Austria in Vienna and uh, flew to Australia the first time in, uh, when I was 25 years old absolutely loved it it was a really strong calling that uh led me to this country and knew instantly i had to make australia my home uh which happened about seven years later so in 2004 i moved here for good met my husband in 2005 got married in 2006 if somebody would have told me that beforehand you would meet a man on the other side of the world and marry him within 10 months and 10 days of meeting him I would have asked them if they're absolutely nuts, to be quite frankly, uh, here. So, uh, yeah, but then when I met Rob and he proposed, I was like, of course, there was no questions asked <laughs> apart from marry me. And, uh, yeah, no, it was really incredible, incredible meeting someone and knowing in your heart for sure that this is the right person for you it was incredible. I never knew this would be possible on such a level. And um, we had our dream barefoot wedding had our two sons two and four years after and uh yeah lived a very happy life actually we were known as that couple you know everybody was like oh maria and rob you too and you know we were just always always i felt like it was a constant falling in love with rob like ever since i met him there was never never an intense argument that we had we you know you have differences every now and then but mostly there was just really in tune beautiful communications and a very happy life. Rob was at the prime of his life. He had just changed jobs like about 18 months prior to me receiving this phone call um, that Rob had deceased in a hotel room in Perth. Those were the exact words that were used by the sergeant from the coroner's office that rang me because I've been trying to get in touch with him the entire day. I couldn't and then I received those news. So this is my story as much in a nutshell as you can get it. And that's a, it's still, a, that's all still a lot in a, in a small version of your story. Uh, yeah. The whirlwind yeah. romance to marriage. Uh, that's kind of mm. almost the same timeline as me and my wife. I met her in December, 93. We were married in you know, May of 94. So. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it's not shocking, but it's still, it's rare that it happens like this. And uh, yeah. you found yeah. your person and you had a, a great time together for the time you had. 
Um, we had over 13 years together and I yeah. never regretted a minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you still bring a smile to your face when you think about him. So that's, <laughs> that's what it's about, right? Absolutely. There. And yeah. uh, I already mentioned that he uh, passed from an aneurysm. Was there any signs yes. of that coming or anything like that? You know, you ask yourself that question, obviously. And uh, Rob was, as I said, prime of his life, really healthy. He loved the water. He was a surfer. You know, he, he just, he was really healthy and fit. And he always did regular checkups with a doctor. And when we sat through the report, she said to me, Marie, not even in hindsight could we have prevented that, you know. And uh, looking back, he had a major headache before he left, but he had just come out of a cold. He had a really bad head cold and was in bed for a couple of days with high temperatures. And uh, it was literally, it came as fast as as it went. And so we didn't really think of anything. It was just, you know, when somebody gets sick, you don't think like, oh, you could die from a brain aneurysm. You don't do that. You know, somebody gets sick, you have a temperature, you get a fever and you get over it and move on. And the only thing we were worried about was um, if he would make it on the flight because he was so shortly before he had to fly out uh, to the other side of Australia for, for a business trip. And oh. he made it. He felt really fit and okay like about a day before he had to fly out so there were no obvious signs nothing that could have in any way prevented that yet um in the morning he was supposed to wake me up because um we were we were chatting the night before and i said something didn't work with my phone backing up and he said why don't you just back it up again try it um overnight and i said because i need it as an alarm in the morning and he said, oh, don't worry, I'll ring you. And I said, but that's 5.30 for you because on the other side, there's a time difference. He said, yeah, I have to be up that early. I'm getting picked up. So I'm like, okay, perfect. And I remember looking at the clock and it was 7.31 when I woke up and he hadn't rung. Oh. And I had this niggly weird feeling. I thought, that's odd because Rob was always on time. I could always rely on him. There was, it was just this short thought of that's odd but then as a mom you go about your day I had two kids to get ready for school and I kept texting him during the day and I was like why is he not getting back to me yet you know something so anyway it went on and on and on and then finally um, I actually rang the hotel because I thought you know I still haven't heard from him and then I realized I have the number from the hotel I ring them and I said can you please send somebody up to his room and as I'm ringing them this is really bizarre I know but as I'm ringing them I'm having this very weird, super short vision of Rob collapsing in a shower. So I added to the conversation. I said, and can you please check in the shower? And I thought, why am I? They must think I'm nuts, you know, but that's where yeah. they found him. Wow. He had collapsed in a shower and died. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's like you were, you were really connected and you felt it. We basically. Were. That's, that's very, yeah. uh, that's very inspirational right there. And this, uh, Thank you. where were the boys when this happened? Were they in school or something? Unfortunately not. Um, well, during the whole day while I was talking, uh, while I was trying to contact Rob, uh, Flynn, my oldest son, was at school. He was 10 at the time. Jed, who was eight at the time, he had a really bad cough. He woke up with a bad cough. He stayed home. So I spent the day like working a little bit in the morning and then I promised him to take him to a cafe in the afternoon. And I kid you not, it was one of the worst days because usually when you have a one-on-one day with your child, you want to be there for them. You want to be present. And I was so absent. I could feel my anxiety levels rising with every unanswered phone call or text. My anxieties, yeah, I just really felt this anxiety rising and I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't want to alarm him either. I wanted, you know, to make sure that he's okay. Um, 
until I knew anything. And uh, when I then finally received the phone call that Rob had passed, they were both at home. So they were both downstairs um, in a living room. We've got a split level. So I was upstairs in the bedroom um, making these phone calls. And they were both dressed in their Hapkido uniform because they both did martial arts at the time and they were ready to go to training. So they were sitting there with their uniform waiting for me to take them to training. And then I came downstairs and had to share these news with them, which was horrendous. Yeah, and I'm sure it was a, yeah. that's a, not the news they wanted to get, especially when they're going through the yeah. motions of their day and wanting to go yeah. and uh, do Hapkido. Uh, yeah. And then that just put that wrench in that, and they probably that probably made it hard for them to ever want to go to Hapkido again after that. Yeah, they still went for a while, to be honest, because it was a really beautiful, uh, I think that was like a sort of family they needed to be there for them. And I also remember the first grading after Rob had passed, and I just burst into tears because Rob wasn't there to see it so it was just um, you know there was a lot going on but they, they did it for another half a year or so and then they just went to a state where they just needed time out just nothing no responsibilities just a break from everything so they went from doing sports like four times a week to nothing so yeah but oh <laughs> that's good that they had that that reach of a family with the the dojo yeah. the the martial oh, arts there that, that way absolutely someone to put their heads on and, uh, and yeah. be able to release some of the the anger and pain that they were going through from losing the yeah dad. oh their instructor Seamus he, he was incredible and his wife they was just absolutely beautiful they really looked after us yeah that's awesome to have that especially mm. in a time like that uh, when yeah, yeah. unexpected time especially yeah so did this did you want to be a writer before this happened or this just made <laughs> you want to write your story I actually always had this feeling that I would love to share my story one day and, um, but never really seriously. No, um, it was actually through an experience that I had, um, about, it was maybe about, it was a week after the funeral. I believe I had a nervous breakdown in the kitchen. And I remember that moment when everything just burst, it was like a valve had opened that I couldn't close anymore. You know, I, the boys were upstairs brushing their teeth and I started pickering or something. I said, Bas, can you just please, you know, I, I was in so much overwhelm. There had been so much going on. And I remember uh, asking them two or three times and they didn't listen as, as boys do because when they're in their pickering, they don't listen to the background noise, AKA mom. Uh, they were just going on and on. And then I, I literally heard myself yelling out. I was like, I just need peace and quiet. Just like that. And the moment I said that, something snapped. I could not stop saying that sentence anymore. And I started saying it louder and louder. And I yelled it. And then I screamed it. And I screamed it on top of my lungs. And I was literally breaking down and whacking the kitchen cupboards. And, and I was just screaming. I ended up just on the floor screaming. And I still remember it was such an out-of-body experience. It was like I was watching myself, how I was falling apart. And I could not do anything about it. And I kept thinking either a neighbor's going to call the police or an ambulance, you know, who's going to come and pick me up and what are the boys going to do when I'm in hospital? And like all these things were going through my mind thinking I'm, I'm losing my stuff here. I really need to keep it together. And I couldn't, it was an absolute meltdown. And after that, it was complete silence. I remember that 
So out of that, as you can imagine, I had a really intense conversations with the boys about that. I felt so guilty and so horrible that I couldn't protect them from witnessing that. I felt so horrible for them, you know, how much fear there would have been for them witnessing their mom fall apart after their dad had just died. And I made a commitment to myself there and then I'm like, I need help. I need to see someone. I need to talk to somebody about this. I've been holding space for everybody else. I've been keeping my shit together. Excuse my French here for Mm -hmm. everyone else. I need to do something for me right now because otherwise I'm not going to be a mom uh, for them. You know, I can't be there for them. I can't be a good mom for them. And I needed that. I needed to be there for them. And I knew that they needed it. We all needed it, all three of us. So I went and saw someone and I told her about my breakdown and I told her about everything that had happened and how I felt throughout it and all the expectations, how people expect you to grieve and that I was doing it differently. And and I remember she looked at me so calmly and she said, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? And I was like, wow. I was so... I, I was just taken by surprise because the, the first word that came up when she asked me that was empowerment. And I didn't expect that. I did not expect that word. And I looked at her, we talked about it. And as I shared my emotions, why and how I felt like that, I said, you know what, I think I need to write a book about this. And this is where the idea was born through my breakdown, actually, where I thought I need people to know our story and how I dealt with that. Because the breakdown was just one short moment, but everything else was empowerment and strength and love and happiness and choices. And, you know, there was just so much else in there. And I needed, I wanted people to know that, that there is other ways of dealing with grief and not just the falling apart. Definitely. And uh, and that actually, it helped you in a way that you probably would never seen that come either by you having that out-of-body experience as you described it. And no, not like that. <laughs> flailing on the ground and yelling, and mm. that made you make the decision to seek help. And you might not have yeah. done that if that didn't happen. Then, and this yeah. whole domino effect wouldn't have happened. Yeah, of your I would movement. have just carried on. Probably, I can do this. You know, as you often think, as a mom and as a strong woman, I can do this. Yes, till you break down. Yeah, and and you're trying to do everything you can for everyone at that time, not of just course. not just the boys, but everyone outside. Yeah, but everybody. Yeah, yeah, and you. Yeah. It, at some point it has to stop and you mm-hmm. at that point that's what happened it stopped for you and you were able to come yeah. out of it and write the loving life after lost and yeah then you what happened when you seen that climb on the as soon as it was released and climb up the charts oh my god I, it was so unexpected to be honest you know it became an amazon number one bestseller and uh and it ranked in the top 100 of australia i was blown away and I instantly thought you know Rob you've you've got your hands in this this is incredible you know I was just like yeah pulling some strings up there good connections um yeah no but you know it was really it was just really unbelievable and um I had actually planned a trip around the world for the boys and myself because Rob and I wanted to take them traveling we had planned to take them out of school and homeschool them for an entire year in 2019 and take them traveling around the world. We already had the entire itinerary standing, you know, we wanted to start through South America and and go through Europe and Asia and and have like an endless summer for a whole year. And then when he passed June, 2018, I'm like, well, that ain't going to happen. There's no way that I would 
be able to, with everything that we had just gone through, to homeschool two boys on my own and travel through South America on my own with two young boys. I'm like, no way. So this is one of the things I do. I look at the things that I can do. And that's why I thought, okay, what can I do with the boys on my own? And I planned this trip for two months around the world and planned it through countries where I felt safe traveling on my own with two young boys. And so I did. Wow. So I published a book in October and uh, end of November, we were on the plane and we traveled until end of January, 2019. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. the experience for them was amazing to see all other it places was. around the world. and experience. Yeah. The it was exactly what we needed, you know, new memories, happy memories, creating something for the three of us and, and that's where, when I was in Vienna, like we spent Christmas in Vienna, in, in my hometown where I was born. And um, I was going through this whole, you know, have a bit of a, what happened in the past half a year. This was so intense, you know, this whole time. I said, everything was planned step by step. Everything I did was just going through the motions and what's the next step and what's the next step. And, you know, the funeral and the paperwork and the writing the book and then traveling around the world. And I'm sitting there going like, this is insane what we've just gone through, you know, so much has happened in this half a year. And all of a sudden I had this epiphany that I thought, this is so much more than just a book. There's something I have that the world needs. And that is hope, that is happiness, that is healing. And I need to share this with the world. So this is where not just I was born in Vienna, but also my idea to create this movement. So it was quite incredible for that to happen in, in Vienna. And um, so when I came back to Australia, I, yeah, found the perfect mentor for it. And off we went a week after I was in a workshop and recording my welcome videos for the movement. And two weeks later, I opened the movement and it literally felt like jumping off a cliff and growing my wings on the way down. That's how I described that moment. <laughs> yeah. But I did it, and here we are, two and a half years later, and the movement is, yeah, three and a half thousand people. It's it's just incredible what has happened ever since. Have you seen a lot of a uh, lot more growth due to the pandemic, as well, or is it, was it steadily growing without it? You would think so, but it, well, obviously, I can't say what would have happened without it. But I I noticed intense growth spurts whenever we had media appearances, which happened quite frequently. So my story has been shared in various uh, magazines and in podcasts like yours right now in, um, you know, in, in even a TV interview, a very short one, and then uh, radio stations, you know, like the story really spread around and I made sure that I would spread the story as far and wide as I could, because I feel I really felt this is my mission. I want to heal the world from grief. And when I first said it out loud, I almost scoffed. I thought this, this is way too big. And now I'm like, no, this is not big enough. This is really what's needed. And I'm not alone in this. You know, I really, I really want to build this army of love and just spread, spread the word around the world and bring this to as many people as possible because healing really is possible. And a lot of people don't see that when they're stuck in grief. Right, they're going through whatever the, the phases of grief that the doctors call it. But like you said, everyone does it differently yeah. and everyone finds a different way yeah. to power through it. Like you were empowered yeah. by it to start this mm -hmm. and you created a movement. So yeah. What can people expect in your movement? 
So I always say there's a lot of love and support in this group. And I stand by that. It really is because when I look into other grief support groups, I don't see a lot of support in there. There's usually a lot of competition who's had it worse, who was younger when they died, whose husband was younger, whose kids were younger or even unborn or who had more kids or who who got less money or got their money later. Or, you know, it's just everything is a competition and, I'm absolutely certain these people aren't even doing it um, consciously, but this is what's happening in those groups. When you look in there, everything is about um, the pain, the suffering, the loss. Um, There'll always be a hole in my heart. It'll never get better. This is my life now. It's just horrible, really, really horrible. And I have noticed with everything that I do, that grief is the only acceptable form of suffering in the human race where people completely agree with that and do whatever they can to keep you stuck there. If that was a physical or any other illness, a mental form of illness, whatever we are talking about here, people would focus on the healing. But in grief, for whatever reason, nobody does. I don't get it. I really don't understand that. Yet I did something to do it differently. And this is why I created Loving Love After Loss. So in my group, I have healing journeys available. So people, when they come in, there's a free healing journey as a welcome gift. It's called From Grief to Relief. I share my seven simple steps. I'm not saying they're easy, but simple steps, how you can actually move out of those really depths of suffering, the depth of the pain that you feel, how you can slowly but surely move yourself out, step back into empowerment, shift your perspectives around it. Everything is a shift in perspective. Every meaning is the meaning that we give it. And sometimes the we is the society, how we've learned what meaning we put on grief, or sometimes it's our own. But we have the power to change this. We have the choice key word to change this and that's what I offer in my group so it's a free healing journey there's also a beautiful program a group program that is called the blank canvas quite self-explaining really it is a blank canvas when somebody dies in your life you can see it as the end of the road or as a blank canvas what do I put on this canvas how do I want to create my life from there on in and then there is um there are retreats that I run twice a year. So that unfortunately at the moment, I'm saying unfortunately because you're not here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is only in Australia at the moment, but um, who knows when the boys are old enough, I might be traveling with that retreat as well. I've had uh, quite a few invitations already to the U S and Canada, and maybe that's going to happen one day, but right now the retreats are solely in Australia. And someone I'm sure would love to go to Australia and uh, check oh, that yeah. out for a retreat to just relax. And I have two ladies atmosphere. in Canada. You want yeah. to fly here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they're allowed to. Mm. Yeah, as soon as you're allowed to get in, it's, uh, the restrictions yeah. and such now for passports. Exactly. For, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. It, it'll happen sooner or sooner or later. Everyone's going to realize we can we can live with yeah. this and treat it like something else, like a cold, a flu or a cold or something. Yeah. And absolutely. try to fight through it like we have everything else throughout history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. And you said something earlier about uh, how we don't try to heal someone that's grieving and that's mm. obvious in history you would see like uh if you if your husband died uh, and you were in the yeah. 1940s or 50s you would be expected to wear black for a year or two after yeah. that to show that you were yeah. grieving if not then you were a bad person or 10 if you're italian yeah yes 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 i didn't <laughs> want to go with the italian portion but <laughs> yeah but yeah 
but you if you didn't do it then you were a bad person because you weren't yeah. grieving properly but there yeah, is no real exactly. definition of how to grieve it's just what society puts on yeah. us or on exactly. a on culture and i think I what agree. you're you're doing is opening the whole pandora's box to say hey we can mm. do this with love and live your life yeah. the way that yes, your loved one you. wanted you to and have exactly. and make make joy instead of pain yeah i absolutely love it so how does someone get in contact with you to maybe have you give a speech to their to their friends or to a grief mm-hmm. group or even sign up for your yeah. programs i think the easiest option would be my website it's mariealessi.com and you find all the links there you can join my group from there you can uh get my book from there you can have you know a chat with me there's a get in touch button where you can book a short conversation with me uh my story is on there there's a little video about us and uh also all the details about the programs retreats etc so you will find all the links there and soon there will be a new link because i'm about to publish my next book called happy healing so i'm super excited about that i needed to bring that in there nice and that's going to be on amazon yeah. as well yes absolutely awesome and everyone get out there and uh, check out both books of course mm. the first one get that one done first and then read the second one so you're not messed up in there Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, marie, marie thanks for coming on to misfit nation and uh taking some of your your time here and spreading some of your joy to us and your summer to us thank you Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling, because we are Fit Nation.